0: Genesis chapter 42, Genesis chapter 42. We're going to talk about the salvation of the house of Jacob. We've been going through the book of Genesis and looking at the life of those patriarchs there. Where last week we finally saw that Joseph got out of slavery, got out of imprisonment... ...has been exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh and is now the second most powerful man the land of Egypt. And we know that God gave to Pharaoh a dream in which he warned Pharaoh that there were going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine so terrible that the seven years of plenty would be forgotten. And so what we're looking at today is the famine is beginning in the land. That it goes from Egypt all the way through the land of Canaan. We know that for sure. So that means seven years have passed. So Joseph is now about 37 years old, so he's been in Egypt for about 20 years at this time. And today God, after 20 years, is going to bring to pass finally the dream that he gave to him... ...of his brothers coming and bowing down before him. Now we know that God sent Joseph down to Egypt to save many lives... He sent Joseph to Egypt so that someone would be there to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Somebody would have a wise plan to gather up grain before the famine came so that the people would not starve to death. But God's intention was not just to keep people from starving to death, but to bring salvation to the house of Jacob in more ways than just eating. So I'm going to read chapter 42, and then we'll begin to discuss the faithfulness of God to the house of Jacob. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us that we will live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain... ...for the famine was also in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied... Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them, and he said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food, they said. We are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see the weakness of the land. But they replied, We, your servants, were twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, the youngest is now with our father and one is no longer living. Joseph said to them, I have spoken, you are spies. This is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your younger brother comes here. Send one from among you to get your brother. The rest of you will be in prison so that your words can be tested to see if they are true. If they are not, then surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. So Joseph imprisoned them together for three days... On the third day, Joseph said to them, I fear God. Do this and you will live. If you are honest, let one of you be combined to the guardhouse while the rest of you go and take grain to relieve the hunger of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so that your words can be confirmed Then you won't die. And they consented to this. They said to each other, Obviously, we are being punished for what we did to our brother. We saw his deep dis- ...when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. This is why this trouble has come upon us. And Reuben said, didn't I tell you not to harm the boy, but you wouldn't listen? Now we must account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph understood them... ...since there was an interpreter between them. He turned away from them and he wept. When he turned back and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them... ...and had him bound before their eyes... Joseph gave orders to fill their containers with grain, return each man's silver to his sack, and give them provisions for their journey. This order was carried out, and they loaded the grain on their donkeys and left there. At the place where they lodged for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver at the top of his bag. He said to his brothers, My silver has been returned. It's here in my bag. Their hearts sank. Trembling, they turned to one another and said, What is this God has done to us? When they reached their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. The man who is the lord of the country spoke harshly to us and he accused us of being spies in the country. But we told him, We're honest, we're not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of the same father. One is no longer living. And the youngest is now with our father in the land of Canaan. The man who is the lord of the country said to us, This is how I will know if you're honest. Leave one brother with me. Take food to relieve the hunger of your households and go. Bring back your youngest brother to me. And I will know that you are not spies but honest men. I will then give your brother back to you and you can trade in the country. As they began to empty their sacks, there in each man's sack was their bag of silver. When they and their father saw their bags of silver, they were afraid. Their father Jacob said to them, It's me that you make childless. Joseph is gone. Simeon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin. Everything happens to me. Then Reuben said to his father, You can kill my two sons if I don't bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I will return him to you. But Jacob answered, My son will not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is alone. He alone is left. If anything happens to him on your journey, You will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. Well, what a story we have here this morning. Joseph, after serving Pharaoh for seven years, after being in prison and being in slavery for 13 years, finally, finally, the Lord brings his brothers to him to fulfill the dreams which he had. I'm sure it was quite a shock to him He saw his brothers come up from the land of Canaan to buy grain. And I want to pause for a moment here and to consider the faithfulness of God to Joseph. It had been, like I said, 21 years since he had seen he was going to rule over his brothers. And he had spent a lot of time in prison. And surely it's better to be the right hand of Pharaoh than it is to be a prisoner. But... Still, it is a great responsibility. Joseph is not just put there to be idle and enjoy luxury. It is his job to save lives. Joseph has had for the past seven years to make sure that everybody in the land of Egypt... ...gave a fifth of their grain of abundance to Pharaoh. And it was so much grain, so much work that Joseph ceased to measure it. There was so much grain. But still, he had to collect it. And he also must have been thinking in the back of his mind... ...remember, he just said they're spies... And this doesn't come from nowhere. This is a legit worry. Now, why would that be? Because Egypt has grain. Nobody else has got grain. Now, people get along pretty well, just like at Baptist Potluck, until there's only one chicken finger left. And then people start eyeballing it. No, you take it. No, you take it. But nobody means it. We know that. Everybody wants that last chicken finger. Imagine if everybody in the entire land's family is beginning to starve and you're the only one who's got grain. No doubt they did have to worry that spies were sent into the land to see the weakness of the land so that they could come in and steal the grain from them. So it would be no surprise that Joseph would have to be on the alert for such things. So he had to worry about whether or not somebody would come and attack and steal the grain. He had to worry that all the grain was stored up. He was in charge of selling the grain to all the people. He was a man of tremendous responsibility. Now, like Joseph, every single one of us go through difficult times. Now, I don't know that we'll ever experience anything like Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery he stayed a slave and was put in prison for years for a crime he did not commit. Our souls are sifted. And times like this try to make us wonder if God cares about us at all. Does God care about me? Does God care about what's going on with me in my life? Can I ever see my way to happiness again? This is not an unusual feeling. It is something that happens often in our lives. But let this passage encourage you. God is with us. He was with Joseph all those years. Not a single thing which God said to Joseph failed to come to pass. He was with him when he was in prison. He was with him when he was in slavery. And he is with him even now when he is governor over the land of Egypt. God is with you, brother. He is with you, sister. And he is changing you. And he's sifting you like wheat. (laughs) He is making you fit for heaven. And he is making you where you, like Joseph, can keep many souls alive. Joseph waited 21 years for this day. And it was no fun. There is no joy, I am absolutely certain, in Joseph's heart in this reunion for what he put his brothers through. But I believe the Lord was using him to change his brothers, as we will see. Joseph waited 21 years, and frankly, others have waited longer. Others have waited longer to see the salvation of the Lord. And through our waiting and through our faith, we keep this hope alive that one day we will see our Lord face to face. Suffering is not unusual. We know that an entire book, is, the whole Bible, is filled with God's people suffering. But Job especially, all of his children died in a moment. Every possession he had was gone and his health was taken from him in a matter of just days. But God was faithful to him through all of it. God will be faithful to us too. So God is faithful to Joseph, we see this. And it's easy, and the reason I bring these things up is because you read the story of Joseph and what happens to him over the course of 20 years is passed over in a few brief verses. So we hurry up and get to the good part at the end, right? But most of us are living in the 21 years. You can't pass over your life in a few paragraphs. So just know, even in the dark night of the soul, when you're being sifted, when I never... I think of when... Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But when you are, but I've prayed for you. And when you are restored, strengthen your brothers. The Lord allowed Peter to be sifted like wheat. He allowed Joseph to be sifted like wheat. He allowed Job to be sifted like wheat. And listen to me, he will sift you too. No one who comes to Christ, no one who comes to Christ will escape the master's refiner's fire. The prophet Isaiah said that God was going to come to us with the fuller's soap. This is such a beautiful image. The fuller's soap. You know what fuller's soap is? Well, I can tell you this. It's not Irish Springs. (laughs) It's not dove. Fuller's soap is a very caustic soap. And so in a Agrarian society, we kept sheep. You would know what fuller soap is. When you shear a sheep, every stick, every twig, every piece of dirt, every mud that it has ever been through is in that wool. And so what they would do is they would wet that, that wool and they would take that caustic fuller soap and they would put it on a rock and they would scrub that wool until it became white. Scrub it. Wash it. Scrub it. Wash it with caustic soap. The soap is so caustic that it can eat up your hands. And the Lord says this. You're going through the refiner's fire and I'm coming at you with the fuller soap. And he will scrub until we are white as snow. And that's what he did to Joseph. And that's what will happen to us. But the promise of scripture is that one day we will see him face to face. And every trial and tribulation we've been through will be to his glory and for our good. So here is the test for conviction. Joseph has been through the refiner's fire and it's time for his brothers to go through. Too long has the sin that they committed against him been covered up. Too long have they lied to their father. and Too long had Joseph suffered for it. So he tests their conviction to see if they are changed men. And the Lord uses Joseph to pierce the consciousnesses of these men of their wicked deed. God wanted to keep the sons of Jacob, from starving to death. But he wanted to keep them from perishing in their sins as well. This accusation, these things that... that, that the things that they did to Joseph... 20 years later, remember it's been 20 years that they've been carrying this secret. 20 years they've known that they sold their brother into Egypt and they think that he's probably died by now doing hard labor. 20 years they've carried this light. For 20 years they've seen their father suffer with grief because of what they did. And I can't help but wonder if their deed was already in their mind as the famine began. You remember when we first started reading this, uh, Jacob says, Why do you keep looking at each other? Like, why do they keep looking at each other? Every single one of those men have a guilty conscience. And we know from Scripture that God often brings famine in the land and plague when people are in sin. They must have been thinking, we are suffering because of what we did to Joseph. We are suffering because of what we did to Joseph. In every single difficulty, and we will see in every blessing that they had in their life, they saw the punishment of their terrible sin against their brother Joseph. They remembered for 20 years him begging them from the bottom of that well to let him out. For 20 years his pleas had haunted them. and It was time for enough to be enough. And so I want to pause here for a moment, friends. And I want you to think of this... Seriously, take a moment to examine your own heart. Are you still living with the horror of your sin? Do you hear the pleas of those you have wronged? Do you feel the burden of your sin? Do you carry it as those men did? Today is the day of salvation. There is mercy in Christ. I worried as I thought of this, as I thought of Jacob's sons, I thought, I wonder if there's a Jacob's son in this place who carries the wickedness of their sin, even if no one else knows about it but them. Jacob certainly didn't know what those boys had done. But this very day, you can be rid of your disgrace. Today, you can be rid of your shame. This very day you can be freed from the own prison of your sin. Joseph spent time in prison as an innocent man, but these men were sent into the prison of their own conscience. And that is a horrible place to be. Sin is a prison house, and your conscience will enslave you. And all that will mark your life is the darkness which you carry in your soul. But today you can be free. Come to Christ, the Emmanuel. We celebrate this Christmas season that Christ is the Emmanuel, the God with us. And I said earlier that God was with Joseph and he's with you even now. He is near. Near to your heart. Draw near to him. He will draw near to you. Tell him what you've done. He already knows. Confess it. And he will set you free. Or you can die in it. you can carry that with you to your grave and you can worry about it the rest of eternity in hell that your pride was so great and your shame was so terrible that you would rather spend an eternity separated from joy in Christ than to come clean from what you've done these were desperate times people were starving and Joseph was the man to save them and here come his brothers and God's Goal was to save these men from their sin and their hunger. This morning in the Sunday school class in 4th through 6th grade, we talked about John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, there was a woman who came to a well. Jesus was sitting there and he said, Give me something to drink. And she said, you talking to me? How is it you, a Jewish man, can speak to me a Samaritan woman? Such things were not done. He said, If you knew who was talking to you you would ask me to give you something to drink. You'd never be thirsty again. In fact, if I give you the drink I speak of, you will not only never be thirsty again, but you yourself become a wellspring of eternal life, overflowing to others. Then the disciples come. and She gets so excited she had come to draw water, she left her jar at the well. She forgot what she came for. And she goes out and begins to tell her neighbors and friends... About Jesus. She did exactly what Jesus said she would. She got the water, forgot she was thirsty. The first thing she did was share it with others. And then the disciples walk up and they say, Hey, Rabbi, get something to eat. He said, I've got food you all don't know about. And they said, Has somebody come and give him food? He said, My food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. And this is exactly what is happening now to Jacob's sons. They've come there because they're hungry, because they don't have any food. But what they really need is a taste of righteousness. And for that to happen, God is going to have to winnow out their sin. I wonder today if some of you hunger and thirst for righteousness. So Joseph says, You're spies. I know you're spies. You've come to see the weakness of the land so you can steal our grain for yourself. So I'm sticking you all in prison. And Listen to what Joseph says. He says, I'm putting you all in prison and one of you can go back to your father and bring back your youngest brother. After three days, he lets them out and he says, Look, all of you can go free except one. So he completely changes it. He's completely gracious. End up 11 staying in jail and one going back. One stays in jail and 11 get to go back. And Joseph has no intention on making money on their brother's suffering. He says, fill up their sacks with grain right to the top. Give them provisions for their journey and put their silver back in their sacks. And when he lets them go, he hears Reuben and the men speaking. I, you know why this is happening to us? It's happening because of what we did to Joseph. We heard him begging us and now God is giving an account for his soul. And Joseph hears that and says, ha ha. It breaks his heart, but he knows that their sin is constantly before their eyes. What they had done was convicting their heart. This is the work of the Lord. And look, you can tell when it's a conviction of the Lord because even when good stuff happens to them, they think it's bad stuff. They get to the hotel like, oh, my silver's back in my sack. What did God do to us? They don't recognize 11 of us got to go home. He not only gave us enough grain to go home, he didn't charge us for it, and he gave us provision for our donkeys. Food for the journey, which he didn't have to do. What a terrible thing has come to pass against us. Everything's against us. This is the way Jacob is. They get in there and Jacob's like, I've lost Simeon, I've lost Joseph, and now you want to steal Benjamin from me. It is a heartbreaking, sad, dark place the guilt of conscience their conscience is so stricken that when good or bad befalls them they think it's judgment they cannot even notice the kindness done to them they see only judgment in everywhere they turn such is the case of a guilty conscience and god is provoking them to lead them to repentance and faith, to save them, to show them that He is with them yet. It is never easy when God does it, but it is absolutely necessary for the salvation of the soul, for our sins to be drawn out like the poison that they are so that we might confess. It's why the elders of the church are tasked with the responsibility of church discipline. It's why the church itself is tasked with the responsibility of church discipline. There is no wiggle room with sin. And if we give it, people will continue to wiggle with their sin till they die. Someone, somewhere has to draw the line and say, this far and no further, we cannot do these things and be the children of God that we are called to be. And the world hates that. Can't stand to be told what to do, what's right and what's wrong. We want to do what we want to do. And when the church affirms the word of God, it will cause discomfort. A church that does not offend the conscience cannot do the work which Christ has called it to do. And so Joseph here is holding them to account for what they've done. He is allowing the Lord to pierce their conscience so that their souls might be saved, so that they might be revived. He has no intention of starving them. He has no intention of leaving them in prison. He only wants to see if these men are changed or can be changed. He wants to see how they've treated his little brother, Benjamin. He knows that they've caused his dad to suffer for years and years. And so what we see here in this passage, in the salvation of the house of Jacob, don't think that God sent Joseph down to Egypt only to keep people from starving to death, which is a really awesome job. He also sent Joseph down to Egypt so that Jacob's sons could be saved. For these were wicked men. And we've seen that throughout this narrative. Even Jacob himself has some things to learn. And so today my thought for you, the thought for this is we're in the Advent season. As we see Christmas trees, we celebrate Jesus. We see the nativity everywhere. What do we need this stuff for? What do we need that stuff for? We need it because we need Jesus. We need it because we need salvation. We need it because we need to be free from sin. That's what the prophet said. Those who live in, uh, this, by the Sea of Galilee, those who lived in darkness have seen a great light. Those who are in darkness have seen a great light. Some of you this morning need to come to that light. Come out of your sin. Stop being so proud. You are a sinner and broken. You are messed up, just like the rest of us. And we come to cross this morning because there is nowhere else to go. Jesus is for the weak. Jesus is not my crutch. He's the one who carries me. I have no strength on my own. He is everything. I am just a vine. I'm just a branch. He is the vine that gives life. He is the root. Come to the Lord this morning. These beautiful candles remind us there is hope in the lot. There is forgiveness in the lot, And at last, you can have peace through the Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you will help us. Help us see for those who struggle, Lord. Some suffer innocently, innocently, Lord. They've done nothing wrong, just like Joseph. They've suffered in the dark night of the soul because of the sin of others. God set them free.